Hate is an action. We could have unlimited free speech were it not that speech is a precursor to action. Hate speech is a crime because hate speech leads to hurtful action. Free speech is restricted. Libel, threats against persons, and derogatory comments about protected groups is considered hate because this kind of talk leads to acts that harm others. It's okay if someone hates you personally, no one cares. Your personal hate of your neighbor is not expected to result in your neighbor being physically attacked by third parties. But you cannot hate a person because of their race, religion, sexual orientation, or gender identity. If you hate a person because of a physical or cultural attribute that will lead to other persons physically attacking them. Hate speech is not technically a crime in the United States, a nation where free speech is the norm. But hate speech becomes part of a hate crime when the crime is motivated by hate as indicated by the speech that accompanies the crime. An assault is an assault unless precipitated by hateful rhetoric. Then it is a hate crime. In Canada the situation is different. Section 319, 1 makes it an offense to communicate statements in a public place which incite hatred against an identifiable group. This means the statement is likely to lead to a breach of the peace. It is okay to claim your mother wears army boots in Canada. It is an indictable offense to claim all mothers of Filipino Asians who have Melanesian fathers wear army boots. This kind of talk will lead to third parties attacking Filipino Asians who have Melanesian fathers and must be met with the full force of Canadian law. Is it hate speech to quote statistics that demonstrate a statistical greater probability for whites to be attacked and harmed by non-whites? Can we pose the claim that it makes more sense to move from a predominantly non-white nation to a nation or area that is predominantly white? Is it okay to argue Muslims are better served by moving to a nation governed by Sharia law? Does it matter if the person making the argument is Muslim or Christian? But if hate speech is to claim some counties are white, how could a comparison be made between white and Muslim nations? Or, does do you claim that the dispute between these regions is about law and not about religion or race? Which nation is more racist, the one that restricts immigration and remains racially homogenous and experiences few incidents of racial bias, or the racially heterogeneous nation? The latter nation contains many different ethnicities, some which provoke incidents as part of a political agenda. It makes sense for those who engage in hate to manipulate events. Might some of the incidents of hate crime exist to increase the incidences of reported crimes in support of a political agenda? Assault is a crime, but if one assaults the person to take their wallet, this keeps the action within the acceptable parameters of crime. If one robs the person because of their race, this makes the assault especially heinous. It is not a hate crime to assault a person because they represent a member of the middle class. Hard-working, prosperous families are not an identifiable group with protected status, at least in Canada. It is not considered a hate crime to rob people because they are rich, 
but it is if they are black, but then only if one is white. Hate crime focused on race unfairly targets whites as the numerically superior race. There is no hate involved in disparaging the well-off. Perhaps we even think the envy gives us the patina of righteousness. The tinge of depravity attached to money gives governments the right to rob the rich to help the poor. Indeed, even criminals may gain a patina of righteousness when they rob the rich with the avowed intent to help the less well-off. Two wrongs do not make a right. If the gains of the wealthy are ill-gotten, why is wealth gained through robbery seen as more legitimate? If large concentrations of wealth are so abhorrent that robbery becomes a legitimate method of redistribution, why are businesses allowed to exist? If profiting from business activity is wrong, why permit the process? It appears the West has embraced two incompatible and equally unsavory options. Capitalism and communism are second choices. One is chosen over the other because one or the other is the only choice we have, and we want one less than the other and one more than the other. If we did not have to choose, and most of us in fact do not need to choose, we accept the choice we were given at birth, neither capitalism nor communism would be picked. If we were asked to pick the least objectionable choice, we would pick the one we already live in. Neither capitalism or communism as they exist are what we see on paper. Neither have enough value for us to fight against the conventional choice of our social system. In debates the pro-argument concerns theory and the arguments against discuss the real-world experiences people have of the system. The theory is good, the experiences are not good. Capitalism and communism both claim ultimate power rests with the people. There is no power of the people because the people are an abstraction, not a viable being. The people at best are a mob and at worst an ideal. Christian theology does not see one people. We see some who are saved and others who are not. For Christian fundamentalists, this division is not bridgeable. Indeed, compromise and negotiation with the world is a retreat from Scripture. There is no reconciliation with the left, not for a Christian. God and Satan cannot be reconciled. Good and evil cannot come to a negotiated settlement, either. It is an all-or-nothing situation. One wins and the other loses. The left wishes to portray fundamentalists as arrogant, intolerant and bigots because we do not adopt the left's values of tolerance. The left is willing to tolerate a few lies, a little bit of stealing, some concessions to adultery. The left will, when pushed, agree to be considerate of those who love God. In fact, the left is more than willing to share hell with us if we share heaven with them. Atheists do not ask us to believe anything. They only ask we do not demand they believe anything. We can, in the thinking of the left, all agree to live in harmony if we do not ask anything of each other. No standards and no values make us all equal. The left tells us that to hold an opinion or to make a stand is hateful. 
Holding to an opinion excludes others and is analogous to physical violence. If a girl thinks she is a boy, then let it be. Her opinion is an opinion. It is as good as any other opinion. To claim sex is a barrier to gender identity is hate speech. What has gender got to do with any other person? It is a personal preference for those on the left. If John wants to be known as Sally, then love means we agree with John. The fundamentalists demand people accept an accident at birth, which is the person's sex, is violence. By demanding John abandon his feelings and adopt our framework and our reality dismisses John, it isolates him, it makes him feel unsafe. Fundamentalists are forcing their own flawed reality, claim transgender persons, on a vulnerable population. This means that the left cannot logically refute the fundamentalists' arguments. Indeed, fundamentalists are forcing a reality on the left, and we can do it. Our reality has nothing to do with feelings. Our reality is based on fundamentals. Fundamentalism is viewed as hate by liberals. They hate fundamentalism and they hate fundamentalists. Objective reality is an attack on subjective reality and spells the end of any reality grounded solely in emotion. If emotions are real, then a word that hurt is analogous to a slap. Subjective impressions are what matters. If reality is composed of subjective impressions, it is legitimate to respond to the hurt inflicted by a careless word or the use of an inappropriate gender term with a comparable amount of physical force. Real pain and emotional pain are both subjective in the liberal worldview. Emotional pain and physical pain are, in the liberal mind, analogs. There is no objective hate in a word. Words convey meaning, not emotion. Hate speech is simply a perception transformed into a person's reality. If hate is objectively real, it can be quantified. Hate, in objective reality, must have a physical corollary. There has to be an action along with the words of there is only information. It is not enough to claim hate speech promotes action, unless one is willing to claim everyone who hear the same words respond in a similar manner. But information does not precipitate action. Hate is an action in pursuit of an ideology or agenda. The doctrine is irrelevant because it does not predict who will respond to it nor how a specific person will respond to it. The Quran is not hate speech because we cannot predict who will respond to its teachings as a radical. What must be done is to give our communities value and by this is meant a true balance. We must record the value of our assets. Hate is not saying something, hate is doing something, specifically downgrading the values of our assets. We have a right to protect our values. However, we need to establish what these values are and record them in the accounts of a citizen's trust, an association charged with protecting the values of the community assets. When hate can be given a value, and its impact on the accounts of the citizens' trust, then hate will have a face. 
Hate is an act that harms the value of a community as demonstrated by an unreconciled loss on the books of a citizen's trust.